lot of people don't know that there's like thousands and thousands of pyramids or hundreds of pyramids rather in China, like all over. Like the really? biggest pyramids I didn't in the world that. are in China. Yeah, they, they won't let people come in and, um, and study it. What's really interesting is that suddenly you have like the emergence of agriculture, you have the domestication of animals, the dispersion of language, um, all at the same time, right? And it's just, it, I find it impossible for everybody in the world to figure out how to do those things at the same time without there being some kind of transfer of knowledge. esoteric immediately and i want to start talking about things that like no one wants to talk about well, everyone wants to talk about but no one wants to like say that they believe in and stuff mm-hmm. the ancient egypt anything revolving around that is so fascinating i know how you said in the beginning of your new series you said like we're not going to go into any of the uh um atlantis stuff or whatever but everyone knows shit like that is real we just haven't figured it out and bro, the secrets places like ancient Rome, ancient Egypt, all, the secrets they hold, it is probably one of the most fascinating things anyone could study because, listen, th- we, are, we are making the future and we are doing, we're watching it happen, but no one knows what the past was like and you got to do real work to find it out. Like that stuff is incredible, man. You know, I'm really esoteric too and I think I'm going to have a good time with this. Um, I said that I wasn't going to get into Atlantis in my podcast, but for the past probably three, four months, that is all I've been studying. Um, yeah, so I've yeah. been Randall Carlson, uh, Graham Hancock. I've been listening to the uh, Cosmographia podcast. Um, I've been reading like Plato's accounts, Timaeus and Critias, and studying the Younger Dryas impact event, which is insane. Like we could really get into all the correlations between um, like Solon visiting Egypt and learning from like the temple of uh, Nath at Sais um, in Egypt, like from these these wise priests or whatever. He took a sojourn to Egypt, pretty much exiled himself for 10 years, went over there and uh, figured out that the Greeks practically knew nothing about antiquity and that the world was so much older than they suspected it to be. And that like the dates that correlate, um, I mean, this is like a lot to unpack so we can kind of take it piecemeal. Um, if we if we kind of want to do we want to jump into the Atlantis first or do we want to we want to stick more because that's esoteric, man. I want to have you. fun. I want to have cool. fun. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's just start at the beginning, I guess. So um, Plato visited Egypt in 600 BC, or no, Solon visited Egypt in 600 BC, and that was one of the predecessors of Plato. And when he was there, he was talking to these priests and figuring out all of these things that. Um, like the world was so much older. So 9,000 years before his time, there was supposedly this massive cataclysm that destroyed a civilization that was really advanced. And when we say advanced, like I'm not talking about airplanes and medicine yeah. and all this infrastructure. We're talking about pretty much a glorified Minoan or uh, you know ancient Egyptian society, right? Um, something that is not far-fetched at all. It's completely within the realm of possibilities. Um, and then when we talk about the Younger Dryas impact event, what's really interesting is that it coincides exactly with the destruction of Atlantis. Um, so the Younger Dryas impact theory, right? It goes like this. So um, for years and years and years, at the end of the Pleistocene, um, the world is kind of steadily warming up. And then suddenly you have this mass cooling event for like 1300 years uh, that nobody knows what, how it occurred. Um, and that caused this thing called the energy paradox in the 1970s. And they tried to figure out 
where could you derive all of the energy to melt that much ice in that amount of time? Like we're talking about a thousand years um, and we're talking about two mile high sheets of ice called uh, like on the Northern American continent. Um, and so they pretty much postulated that a comet or some kind of interstellar object crashed into the ice sheets and then caused a meltwater flux, which poured a bunch of flood water into the Atlantic, raised the sea level by like 600 feet, which is insane. And in the span of a couple thousand years, and that would have completely submerged any civilizations that existed at that time, right? Um, and what's interesting is the dating of it. So at the very end of the Younger Dryas, you have massive floods, massive earthquakes, um, tornadoes, all of this stuff, right? Right at 11,600 years ago. Now, if you take Plato's account seriously, it says that 9,000 years before Solon's time, Atlantis was destroyed. Now that is 9,600 BC. If you go back from our time right here, 11,600 years ago, uh, that is exactly 9,600 BC when massive floods occurred and right coinciding with uh, the account of Plato with the destruction of Atlantis. And it's um, it talks about how Atlantis was swallowed up by the sea. Uh, pretty much all of the tsunamis took it over. It was, it was sunk by an earthquake. Um, and what's really interesting, if you look at a Google map and you look at the spot supposedly where it would have been, like the Azores Plateau, like right now it's just pretty much islands. Um, it's sitting right on a triple plate junction where the worst earthquakes in the entire world, like the history of the world would have happened at that time anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and that's supposedly where that civilization existed. Um, so we can just go on and on about this, man. So, because um, I, so you said that that's where they're like assuming it was, or, do, or is there like a few places that they think it might have been? Because I know yeah, Pla didn't so, Plato say it was like uh, it was in the, it was in the Western world, like basically like the America. Like I know that's what Graham Hancock was trying to allude to. Like like if there was an Atlantis, it was probably in the American continents. And then some people say, oh, it was, it's like underneath China or it's next to India. Like, where's, like, the consensus? Like, where do most people think it is? So, currently, there's really no consensus. Um, the If you take Plato's account seriously, which I think is the best way to derive where it would be, he says that it's directly west of the Pillars of Heracles, which is the Straits of Gibraltar, right? And so, you just go straight out the okay. uh, Straits of Gibraltar, you know, and where does that take you? That takes you to the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and they talk about a continent existing between like in the middle of the ocean there, like between the new world, which would have been uh, Northern America and Western Europe. Right. So it would have been right in the middle of the Atlantic. Oh shit. Yeah. And so that would be the, if you know where the Azores are, um, there's this place called the Azores in the middle of the uh, Atlantic ocean. And let, let me look it up and then I can probably do a little screen share for you guys. Um, and That's this is crazy. the most likely spot of it, in my opinion. Because a, a lot of scientists and, you know, archaeologists are trying to dilute this. Like, people are just so violently against this idea. Like, if, even if you bring up the idea of Atlantis, people start cringing. Like, I don't yeah, like, I don't yeah, why is that, right? Because when you grow up, like, no one tells, everyone, like, talks about Atlantis like it's fictional. When you get, when you get old, you're like, oh, wait, that's an actual real place? Like, when I was a kid, I always thought it was fake. But it's not. It was, it was a real place that, that historians and, you know, people hundreds of years ago, ago would talk about. So there's at this point, there's no concrete evidence that a society existed there. There is evidence to suggest that an island was subaerial in the middle of the Atlantic at the time of those floods, right? And so um, we can assume that maybe a society would have existed on that and then would have been swallowed up by an earthquake and floods. Uh, but the Azores really is just the most likely place. Like some people are trying to place it in um, like Pompeii and, and, and Crete and like, like the, what was that place called? 
uh, there's like this massive earthquake that happened somewhere in the uh, in the Mediterranean, and um, there was like all kinds of volcano action and stuff like that. But but basically, people are just trying to skew it by placing it in different places, like in China, for example, where there's no likelihood. Yeah, yeah. You have to stretch Plato's account so much to come to that conclusion. Yeah, that would be ridiculous, right? Right, it's ridiculous. So personally, I think it's I think if it did exist, it would have existed somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, but like, if we go to Plato's account, he's not describing this fantastical thing, right? He's he's describing like a real civilization. He's talking about like their political structure, the way that the, the cities actually formed, like that their Mediterranean uh, maritime empire, stuff like that. And that's not a stretch of the imagination. But I think that like people don't want to accept it because it'll change the entire concept of history, right? Yeah. Like all of the work that people have done, all these professionals in establishing what history was in their eyes would be overturned if that were to be accepted. Um, like, and you know, that's why Graham Hancock people just, there's so many people don't like it, like his ideas because it'll just completely turn everybody else's consensus. On oh yeah. One of my most favorite things that Graham Hancock says, which is towards the end of the book, it basically is the end of the book. Cause everyone's like, everyone always talks about, okay, so you know, it, it wasn't aliens, it wasn't uh, psychedelics, it wasn't, like, tele- telepathy. Like, what? how are there pyramids on one side of the earth and on the other side of the earth? How are there, like, the same kinds of religions? How are there the same kinds of medicines? How are there the same kind of plants or whatever? Well, that's a Pangea thing, the plants. But what Graham Hancock says is if there was an ancient uh, civilization that was um, advanced, at least advanced in the way that you and I are discussing, right, He's what's really cool is he says if they had like a a a minor cataclysm where it like destroyed their civilization, but some of them survived, there's a good chance that those same people became nomadic and taught people around the world how to produce civilization and society, and that's why we see pyramids all over the place because this ancient civilization could have taught everyone. That's why we see similar religions because they could have taught everyone similar um like growing practices for like growing uh, plants like. That it, it actually gives me the chills because that's like the most like realistic way I could like perceive and accept people all around the world having the same kinds of cultures, even though they've never met before. Yeah, exactly. And so the idea is that there was that civilization and that they pretty much planted little colonies all across yeah. the world, like over in Peru. Uh, like that's why Nazca Peru holds a lot of similar imagery with Egypt, for example. And, I, you know, this is in my podcast as well, but a lot of people don't know that there's like thousands and thousands of pyramids or hundreds of pyramids rather in China, like all over. Like the really? I didn't in the know world that. Or in China. Yeah, they, they won't let people come in and, um, and study it. There's there's one guy that was allowed to come in and like take uh, pictures and put it out to the, the mainstream. Um, but they exist everywhere across the world. Uh, and it, what's really interesting is that suddenly you have like the emergence of agriculture, you have the domestication of animals, the dispersion of language, um, all at the same time, right? And yeah. this is completely following that cataclysmic event where where somebody would have been forced to kind of uh, go in all different directions and plant different seeds across the world. Um, and I, I think that makes more sense, like a transfer of knowledge. And that's what that's what uh, Graham Hancock talks about. Yes. He alludes to, instead of everybody figuring out at once, like concurrently, that uh, somebody else came up and you know taught them how to do it. And uh, what's really cool about the ancient Egyptian stories is there's a time called Zeptepi in the ancient Egyptian annals. And it talks about a time when 
the world was ruled by gods, like these these people who, um, you know, these like demigods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more like explaining people that come over from other areas. They're more advanced, like their technology is, uh, you know, they, they have uh, ideas of how to lay crops and cultivate crops and build cities and stuff like that. And that would be almost alien to people at that time who are primarily hunter-gatherers. And uh, so they would have been thinking of those people as if they were more powerful, as if they were gods and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, there, there's all kinds of myths in the, Zet, the, the, the time called Zetepi that allude to that kind of thing. Um, so it all just it all just correlates really cool, man. Um, and it's just such a fascinating thing to study. But, um, you know, uh, it's just it, I find it impossible for everybody in the world to figure out how to do those things at the same time without there being some kind of transfer of knowledge. And uh, yeah. I think that's what Graham Hancock really, really uh pushes really well yeah i don't think that's like one of the most absurd things to think oh it's just a coincidence that every civilization on every corner of the world figured it out at the same exact time and that's why we're all like uh coherent like we're all we're all the same kind of we're all growing at the same rate like it doesn't it, it, that's too big of a coincidence right and like what do yep. they say like when you're in fields where like what like detectives say this all the time it's like i don't believe in coincidences because that's too large of a of a, like room for error so it has to be, they have to like figure it out. And what drives me crazy is that a lot of like extremist groups and a lot of uh, even like normal people, they'll like destroy uh, a lot of like old relics and like buildings it's, and like what, what, Serpent Mounds. Remember that? Like they, no one touched that, but like things like that, like just regular things out in nature, people destroy, whether for its religious reasons or they don't know it's there. I remember in Graham Hancock's book, he would say that, like, Walmart, like, ends up, like, destroying so many, like, Native American, like, structures just to put up, like, warehouses. So it's, like, we're ruining so much, we haven't even had time to, like, study all of it. It's it's so wild. Like, I was listening to this one podcast where when ISIS was taking over, like, uh, what was it, Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and that, like, you know, area, they were destroying all of these ancient temples and ancient sites and stuff like that just because it went against their religion. And it even goes back, like, you know, when, when uh, Nazi Germany was burning all of the books, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, it's happened so many times throughout history where people are just trying to completely erase the memory of before. And uh, and, and that's, like, I think that's, ext- obviously, it's extremely detrimental because selfish. you're erasing things that will never, ever be replicated again. Yeah, it's so selfish. Like and I and I try to put my you know my head in in the head of those who do that, and like I have my own religious and spiritual and philosophical beliefs, but to ruin somebody else's like if you're not harming me, well I'm not gonna ruin that. And like it's it's not even like that because it's like your religious history goes against my religious history. That's human history. That's why it's interesting. That's human history. History. Whether you believe in Jesus or you believe in uh, even though. Buddhism isn't a religion, it's a lifestyle, or if, if you believe in, like, reincarnation, no matter what you believe in, like, don't, don't do that, you're ruining human history, that's what's interesting about it, regardless of who was right in the end, like, it's so, ah, oh, man, it, it makes you so angry. It makes you so angry. It does. I mean, the, the more, like, uh, different lines of thought that exist, the better, in my opinion. I think the more opinions that are out there in the world, the more opportunity for refinement, and if you just kind of, like, erase everything else and try to pervade this this one idea i mean everybody's just going to get brainwashed and i think that's like sort of happening today i don't know if you would agree like it's like open it open it up like i don't really know how to explain it so people are just kind of putting horse blinders on and accepting like the the ideas that are being pushed out by the media 
with like, um, you know, of history and stuff like that. For example, just like when we were talking about a little while ago with people just naturally intrinsically getting like chills or whatever when they hear the word Atlantis, because I feel like that's yeah. kind of programmed, right? Because there's so many uh, press releases and news articles and stuff like that that are out there that violently oppose that kind of thing. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I think, you know, there's this one book that I read that kind of shed some light on it. It's called uh, Mankind in Amnesia. I don't know if you've ever heard of Emmanuel Sounds Belikoski. familiar. Sounds familiar. Sounds, really like it, cool. sounds good. Um, it's really good. Uh, and he talks, he kind of piggybacks off of Carl Jung's collective subconscious and talks about this idea called um, collective amnesia, where you have everybody like collectively trying to push down the events of the past because they're too difficult to recount and they're like too painful to recount. Um, and that may be an underlying psychological aspect to why people are opposed to even considering something like that, right? Um, because it's ingrained, it's ingrained in the collective subconscious. So, and how, wait, so how, wait, how did he come to that? Um, Emmanuel Velikovsky? Yeah. Um, I, so he's, he did a lot of study on like psychology from previous people like Carl Jung and uh, Nietzsche. Um, and he just talked about how if you were to accept that the collective conscious exists, like that people kind of have this underlying, like, you know, your archetypes and stuff like that. Yeah. Like uh, people can kind of understand things on a, on a base level uh, just subconsciously and inherently. Um, and that's because painful things have occurred in the past, like because c catastrophes have occurred and like humanity has been on this cycle of catastrophe and elevation and catastrophe and elevation that uh, we're trying to do what an amnesiac does or a PTSD patient does and push away that painful event by just like not even believing it or not recounting it. And, um, and, and that's kind of what he thinks is happening on a wide uh, worldwide scale. That would be super fascinating. It's like, it's like scars left by uh, your ancestors. Exactly. It's like the Assassin's exactly. Creed stuff, you know, like the, like I, I would have no problem in believing that. I'm not saying that's definitely true, but do do you believe in, do you think that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't obviously exist like uniform because we're over here talking about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like when when you don't study these kinds of things, when you don't apply yourself to that uh, study of the ancient history, you're never going to be able to come to the con or, or pull up lines of evidence that would make you think that that did happen, and you're just going to kind of follow the bandwagon. Well, you know, you know how um, there there is some truth to that um, because it's like okay. For some reason, most humans, and when I say most, I mean, like, billions have, like, oh, okay, I shouldn't say this is for sure, but, like, I've never heard of anybody not experiencing some of these things. Uh, there's different phobias that a lot of humans have and we all share. Like, like uh, most humans don't like bugs. Most humans get afraid of the, those pictures with the circles at the holes because it looks like that's where bugs are nesting. I forget, yeah. what, I forget what that's called. But something else that every human has and it's studied a lot is uh what's it called the something valley the um oh my gosh when you see someone okay if you saw a face that looked creepy and you you that feeling of like that's creepy that's called something it's called the un unhidden valley the you know what I'm talking about? I gotta look this up. I, I'm not sure. No, you it's, gotta look that up. It's like that, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, hold on, because this is something like everyone experiences. The I'm gonna type in the scary valley and see what comes up. <laughs> like scary valley. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I don't think I've I don't think I've heard of that. Okay, well, basically, what it is 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 
if a human, if you walk outside your house and you see like a decrepit uh, thing that's human, but it, like the face kind of looks a little off, you're gonna be like, yeah. "This isn't normal." I, I, and you're not gonna like it. You're gonna feel, you're gonna have a guttural reaction. You're gonna want to go away. If you, um, see a robot that's made to look like a human, but you can tell it's not a human, you're like, "Oh, that's weird." Or some yeah. people, it happens when they watch the movie Polar Polar Express. It happens when they watch the movie, um, with Jim Carrey. It's, a, it's another cartoon with Jim Carrey. Uh, another Christmas movie, uh, Christmas Carol. Like people will look at things that look kind of human, and they'll get scared. Like they'll actually like almost get nauseous. Like I don't want to be around this. Get me out of here. Yep. And a lot of people say a lot of people like ha- like to have fun with it. And they say, oh well, that's a thing because um, there's like aliens and stuff. And sure, maybe. But the most reasonable reason why we experience that is because. There were Homo sapiens. They were just, you know, sapiens. They were, uh, like, Homo erectus. Like, all these things that, whatever they were, that lived at the same time. And Neanderthals. And Neanderthals. Sciences, exactly. You would know. Uh, I don't fucking know. Denisovans. Denisovans, yes. Shit. So, the the idea is that uh, humans have, like, grew a fear for other species, perhaps because there was a lot of violence involved in them. Yeah. They, and they look different. So, something that doesn't look exactly like you, you get a little creeped out. Um but why do we feel that anymore if that was hundreds of thousands of, or at least tens of thousands of years ago? Why do we feel that way? And it's because That's we're carrying it with us. question. Right? I'm telling you, man. And so, like, like that kind of lends some credence to uh, Velikovsky's exactly. collective That's what I'm amnesia. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Right? Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. Like at one time, that's a fascinating subject. Yeah. At one time in the history of the earth, there was like five or six different types of homo. On, oh, on wait, hold, wait, like, hold up. Like, I found what it's called. What is it? Look it up. The Uncanny okay. Valley. The Uncanny the Valley. The Uncanny Valley. Yeah, look it up real quick. And then like go to images. Okay. It's like, like the images on Google. Oh, are, yeah. The images on Google are like oh. kind of not that great. Like, I got chills. There's, there, there's like better stuff, but like they It's like watching iRobot. Yeah, and, and they've studied this stuff. Like we we know it's not something's off. We know something's off. I think it's because like we're we're creating something that may end up replacing us and we're we're fearful of that. That too. What's the what's the quote uh that Elon Musk said or someone said the we are the biological bootloaders of the uh, computer world? That's right. We're yeah. like we're like a stepping stone for that. But yeah. do you think that's like the final stepping stone? Like do you, like well, what happens at that point? It's interesting thinking that if you look at the entire observable universe, right? And we don't know what's out there. Like, we don't know if there's there's living livable life. We don't know because people look out there and we're like, you know what? There's got to be something out there because there's so much out there. But maybe the observable universe is a fraction of a fraction of 1% of the universe. That means us living in this galaxy or in this universe is actually normal for the amount of space that we've seen, right? So let's say it's gigantic, okay? This gigantic space we can't even fathom, right? What if in all of that space, all that space and all that time, it's always in every civilization civilization that's ever existed across the universe, it's always been that they end up being technologically advanced, right? It would be very interesting and kind of scary that becoming, whether it be cyborgs or AI or Skynet, if that was always going to happen and we are just a part of the life cycle, that is scary to think about because that means we are so like we're already insignificant. We're, yeah, we're already insignificant, but like that would be wild that to create what to create the final true and like greatest 
life, which would be, I guess, artificial intelligence, they had to first be biological and disposable creatures. That's weird. It's extremely weird. And that may be the final form that every type of yeah. intelligence is destined oh, to be. And that. it's like, it's like really creepy. Fuck that. Yeah. I don't want to be like that. Um, there's like, you know, there's, I mean, a, a lot of people like, like to argue that uh, uploading your mind to a computer is the optimal way to go. Like, like uh, living forever or like, you know, like I, I do not like that idea. I really don't like that idea. I think that life gains value when it's limited. Like when you have an endpoint and a start point and you can like improve across that time frame. Um, I think that that gives you the ability to like, to, to know that your life is valuable, but like once it's completely immortal and your, your mind's in a computer or whatever, um, or even if you, you know, if you have this collective subconscious, like at the very, at the very end, when you like fucking merge together and everybody's like on this net, this neural net, um, it takes away the humanity. We, we don't even, at that point, we cease to be humanity and we become something completely different. So I, I bring this up a lot, and I'm sorry for any of my regular viewers that has to listen to this again. Um, but have you ever read or watched the movie Dune? Yes, I, I do. The Mike actually got my dad that book, um, and I'm about to read the book. But I want to read the book before I watch the movie. Listen, because I heard that, that actually might be a bad amazing. move. That actually might be a bad you want move. To watch the movie before the book. It, that might actually be a better move. And I'm gonna tell you why before I okay. go into All what right. I wanted to say. The the book most people now like present like modern day like. 18 to 20 to 30 year olds don't like the book okay back then and this is what this is what people say like like old, the older generation says back then the reason why dune was such a big hit is because it's like one of the first in a genre to do what it did um but i tried reading dune and i think the biggest problem i had is because it was such a big info dump and like i couldn't like it, it, it gave me so much information, and then also I feel I don't feel like it described the landscape and the and the scenes and the settings very well, so I couldn't even visualize what was going on. And in the eighties, when the movie came out, the f- original uh, movie, there were so many words in the book that no one knew the definitions to that they actually had newspapers in the eighties that went out before the movie came out, so people could learn the vocabulary before they saw the movie. So, like, it's hard to understand sometimes, and I didn't enjoy it because of that. But then I watched the movie, and I was like, holy shit, this is an awesome story, beautifully made, and the, it's so grand that after watching the movie, I was able to understand what Frank Herbert was going for, and I enjoyed the book ten times more after watching the movie. So I reread it. Like, like walk me through the storyline. Like, how does it so, go? So, basically— Okay, so th- there's three planets. Okay, uh, okay. there's Arrakis, Dune, which is which is Arrakis, um, Caladan, which is, I think the good planet, and like Zadie Prime or something. So let's say Prime, Dune, and Caladan. Okay, Caladan are the good guys. Prime are the bad guys. In Dune, they have their own civilization, but on Dune, it's basically like a metaphor for drilling oil, and it's called spice. Spice is a drug that people use to travel the universe. Whatever. So everyone in the universe wants to control the spice because if you control the spice, you control the world. You control the, control the universe because everyone needs it to basically live and travel the galaxy. So the good guys got a contract from the planet, from the emperor of the galaxy. The emperor of the galaxy said, you know what? I don't want Prime, the bad guys. I don't want them doing this anymore. Good guys, you have the contract. You go start mining the, the spice oil. You go start mining it, and you'll make a lot of money, and you'll control everything. Good, good. You're good to go. But the whole thing is the emperor hates the good guys 
because they're getting stronger than him. So the emperor has right. a plan. The emperor says to the and I'm this is spoilers for everybody. So fuck you guys. The the, <laughs> the, the emperor has a plan. He says, "All right, uh, bad guys, we're gonna tell them that they've got the spice, but we're gonna attack them when they're least expecting on the worst planet to be attacked on while they have no, uh, no weaponry and no like stuff to use. So basically, it's." a huge, like, switcheroo, and, like, everyone wants the good guys to, to lose because the good guys are becoming too strong as a culture and as a people. So that's that's basically the, the plot, right? But then the, the rest of it has to do with, like, um, some mystical stuff, and I don't want to spoil that because it's very interesting to get into, like, the religion in it, the, the other politics stuff in it. It, it, it gets pretty deep. Um, but the biggest reason why I'd rather someone actually watch, and I've never say this about another... Another thing, other than Fight Club. Fight Club book is horrible. But other than Fight Club, Dune is the only thing where I'd say watch the movie first because it's actually hard to visual. And I'm a very visual person, but it's very hard to visualize when reading the book. That That's really it. it sounds like a really cool story. Oh, uh, like yeah, it, it's great. So, okay, but as I, I was saying, um, so Dune, and I always say this to people, if you had a choice, right, you could either live the life we're getting to now with... AI with the Neuralink and, and booting into the metaverse, you can get into all that. Or you can do what Frank Herbert would have wanted. And Frank Herbert had this idea. It's like, what if we don't connect every people with AI? What if we don't connect the world with technology, but we use instead psychedelics? In Dune, there is no artificial intelligence. It's outlawed. It's illegal. You can't use it, right? But the, So the way they travel the galaxy... The way they have immense knowledge and they, their brains work like computers is because they've expanded their minds with psychedelics. And I don't think that's far from possible. I think that is very possible when it comes to things like psilocybin, LSD to an extent, because I don't know much about it, um, DMT, dimethyltryptamine. There are so many things that could be done, and we barely scratched the surface on psychedelics, and now that it's becoming more or less taboo, and people are starting to experiment more, doctors, scientists, we're, trying, we're starting to learn more, I can see psychedelics in a more natural um, evolution rather than an unnatural technological evolution. You understand? Yeah. And I wonder if that's like the next step of emergence because you've heard of the stoned ape theory, right? Oh, yeah. That's like one of my arguments. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe a controlled uh, use of that kind of thing would allow for us to expand the yeah. conscious and, like, and, and become more emp like empathetic towards each other as well. Um, like it, it, this is fascinating, bro. Like when I when I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast where they were talking about the little study where I think like ten people did DMT at the same time and they all had the exact same experience. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like when like the elves or whatever were walking out of the tree line and they were all mm -hmm. seeing it in live time at the exact same time. So like I wonder that if that goes back to every human being having some kind of connection that we just don't know about, um, and somehow a psychedelic is able to unlock that and like kind of open that door so that people are able to, uh, you know, understand each other better and experience things that you couldn't experience without those things. And yes. like, like, what's the best way to do those like microdose or is it like a regular thing for like, I mean, you well, know, cause I'm, you can't just, I'm sure a lot of people get really oh, yeah. fucked up in the head if they do it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know a few buddies who have like, who have taken it and then completely switched. Like they are a whole nother people, a whole nother person. And yeah. so if you have like a, uh, a tendency in your family line to have some kind of, you know, psychological problem, that may be a way to 
bring that quicker, bring that about quicker. Like if you have uh, memory loss or if you're like, you know, psychotic or something like that, there, there may be a psychedelic, like a portion of psychedelics that would take that out really quick and, and kind of bring that to fruition. So I don't really know the best way to go about that. Well, uh, actually marijuana uh, heightens uh, or mm-hmm. brings a f- bigger risk of uh, schizophrenia. If people yeah. don't realize that, you could actually, I don't, if you're like not in danger of getting it on your own, you probably won't, you'll probably be fine. But people who have psych- uh, schizophrenia in their family, uh, you're at risk if you smoke too much or really, I think, at all. Um, and people don't know that. People think marijuana is the, the God element. Like, it's like, hey, it, may, it might help you with so much stuff. It might be, it might, 90% of it might be positive for you, but there is a risk. There's a risk in everything, right? So even just that fucks you up sometimes. Um, but look, I'm, I'm like, I'm no expert. Like, I, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't, I don't drink unless it's on screenshots. Like, it's funny because the only time I drink is yeah. when the camera's on. Um, <laughs> and I don't. Uh, I don't, I've never done a psychedelic, but I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast and in person off the podcast about psychedelics. Some of them have microdosed. Some of them went all the way in and like just got totally destroyed, like a whole bunch of different things. And I think it's one of those things where it's it depends on what kind of person yes. you are, really. And if I were to recommend anything, which I shouldn't be, but if I were, and this actually comes from my friend who uh, grew, uh, grew mushrooms. I don't think he does anymore. Um he said he would say it's actually better to start microdosing first, and when it becomes like a part of your cycle, and so he's only talking about mushrooms. When when it comes to part of your cycle, then you can start experimenting with larger doses. Um, but then I know other people. I think like they, a lot of the people that are, who are all about this shit, they say the best way to try psychedelics is the maximum dose in the darkest room. And like really? that's that's how you learn about. That sounds it. creepy. It as sounds shit. horrible, right? It sounds horrible. Like, like you, you can't see anything. Like you're completely locked in yeah. a room, dark. Yeah, I think because I think if if your goal is to learn about yourself and like basically have an epiphany and whatever, you you mm-hmm. need to you treat the psychedelics like a human being, like it's a doctor and you have an appointment. Um, and there's no shame in people like using mushrooms for like party drugs, just having fun, like whatever, do you want? But I think like. The the reason the, the, how you're supposed to get the most out of it, if you want a spiritual experience, experience is to be as serious about it as possible. And I don't know what the right way is. I don't know what dosage you should take. I don't know if you should stay away from one and do the other. But I do know some people say the best option if you want that experience is to be alone and do do as much as you can. As much as you can by yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you I, I wonder if like some but... things are meant. Like, you know how ignorance is bliss in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if some parts of yourself are kind of are better left unnoticed. <laughs> well, yeah, man. There's some part. Of, there's we all got you know demons inside. Who knows what's gonna yeah, happen? That's right. But um, I don't know. Have you listened to Terrence McKenna at all? No, but I know about him. I know Dude, that guy's fascinating. Yeah, I think he... it actually might have been him who was talking about like that's what you got to do. Like if you want the maximum experience to do what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely a way to have a spiritual experience for sure. But what you brought up about the weed, man, I mean, that's like, that's so true. And that's a common place. Like people will smoke weed, like they smoke cigarettes now, or, you know, I mean, it's all the time. And that has a really psychological, uh, you know, down like a pitfall for a lot of people too. So it could really bring out psychosis. Um, But yeah, I, I think my, like, I would do microdosing. I've I've done a little bit of. I'm not to go out there too much, but I've done a little bit here and there. Um, and what I can tell you is like super euphoric in a lot of cases. And um, 
it's not like this crazy wild experience that you're seeing all this shit. Uh, I don't know, maybe because I, I took like a tiny little bit. You're probably right. No, you're probably right. Tab, but, um, but yeah, so that's pretty cool too. <clears throat> yeah, this 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 stuff is super fascinating too. Like with all the, you know, all the ancient history stuff, all the the drug stuff, and like even like, because I, I read the Bible, like, and I and my favorite part about the Bible is not like the religious stuff. It's that a lot of the landmarks they talked about in the Bible still exist today, yeah. and that. Wild. I mean, like, uh, like what uh, kind of landmarks? Like, okay, for instance, uh, I don't know what the wall is called, but like the wall that's in Jerusalem that the Jews yeah. like go and like kiss and touch and stuff. There's that. There's um, there's, I don't know if it was removed due to like war, like recent war, but there mm. was um, not a pyramid, but like a mound that like intersected two cities in like the Jewish land, and they would like fight over it, like that being like the territory really? line. Yeah, there was that. There's um, you. I don't know if this is, like, confirmed to be exactly the right place, but there's, like, tents around it, so it protects it from the elements. They found or uh, claim to have found Abraham's house, and and that was forever ago. And it's, like, not even a house anymore. It's just, like, basically nothingness. Um, Or, like, the mound that Jesus was crucified on. You can visit that. Like, they, I mean, they talked about Egypt. I mean, like, this shit, that, that's the, the coolest there- part. The, the, the crazy thing about like the uh, the Bible, especially Genesis, is that there's a lot of stories that precede that too, like a lot of flood myths, like yeah. the Epic of Gilgamesh, like was written, like a th- I think it was like a couple hundred years before. Um, you have like the Aridu Genesis, you have the Chaldean accounts, and they all like talk about the deluge, like this great flood that occurred. Um, and going back to like the very beginning of the podcast, when we were talking about that, um, it seems that a lot, there's like a tendency for a lot of these old religions to you know, talk about that kind of stuff and, and bring down these myths of floods and catastrophes. Um, and, and they all are extremely similar. I mean, the Epic of Gilgamesh and the story of Noah are like reflections of each other. Like if you read one and then read the other, it's the exact same thing. It's wild. Um, so, yeah, but the, the, the Bible is really interesting too. I, I, uh, you know, I've, I've read, I've read it and, um, th- there's, there's a lot of things that you could take from it as well. Um, but with it, so. Yeah. I think, I think Exodus I think Genesis, Exodus, and Job. Th- that those those three are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I gonna say though? There was oh yes, yeah, so you know the uh, the whole story of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, yeah. What like did you? I don't know. Oh, a, a little bit, a little bit. So I don't know if it was if this is old or recent, but I, I watched this video of people going to where they think Sodom and Gomorrah was, and they and it showed like there's like was it, what's the what what did Graham Hancock's talk about like when like asteroids or meteors like hit something there's like nuclear glass or something how do you yeah it's it? the uh the melt glass the microspherals yeah. and trinitite so they, trinitite they is like found melt glass. they found a place that they think is uh sodom and gomorrah and mm-hmm. in, in the in the story of that is that god was like you got you fucked up and, the, and he like destroyed the entire city and he rained fire on them and they yeah. think they found it because there's this gigantic place with like um basically like, like not mountains but like like rocky pillars that like don't look natural but it all looks like destroyed and and they've gotten like some sediment stuff i'll try to find the video for you it it was just like a national geographic thing but um really yeah so stuff like that is weird because you hear stories of like big cataclysms that are like oh it's just fictional to tell a story and then you find evidence and you're like oh wait a second dude it's wild i was listening to this podcast and every single day there's like a near miss of an asteroid that passes within like sixty-six thousand miles of earth yeah. which is wild and, the, and like they like don't know where these things come from um and the consensus like is that we get hit by an asteroid like once every hundred thousand maybe like a million years 
Uh, but the likelihood of that occurring is like way higher. And so I think studying these kinds of things like we were talking about at the beginning really will play a benefit in expanding like uh, our, you know, you know, the space agency, for example, and predicting these kinds of things occurring in the, in, uh, in the future. There's an asteroid that's supposed to, I think it's supposed to hit in 2032. What? Um, I wonder if it's remnants of the same ones that were projected to hit Earth. And because uh, that's what Graham Hancock talks about. Well, I don't, um, I don't know because I learned about this in school, um, but I don't. I have to read up it, about it again. But my my uh, science teacher was like, "Yeah, in 2032, there's supposed to be a there's a football stadium sized asteroid, and it's 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 going to hit the Pacific Ocean. If it hit the Pacific Ocean, the world wouldn't end, but there would be like mile high waves, right? I I mean, like we might it might pass us. I don't know. I have to look back into it again, but." Uh, I think I mentioned the, the greenhouse effect that would occur. Oh yeah, I think that. I think about a few things if if that were to happen, and I think it's called you know big asteroid. Blah, blah, blah. If the past is any guide, we won't have to worry about asteroid. Blah blah blah. So how big is it? Do, do they know? They, well, the last time I looked into it, it was like the size of a football stadium. Holy, like God. it was big. Oh, yeah, you just said but that. don't wild. don't don't take don't take my word for it. Like I have to go back into it. Um, but like like if you if you type in asteroid hit Earth twenty thirty two, a whole bunch of articles come up about it so it's like it's easy to find but um it's so crazy how they can project that kind of stuff man. yeah well do you know what the chaos like, theory is um no explain that so the chaos theory is mathematically you can predict like so far into the future on how the galaxy and universe is going to work right but at a certain point for some reason we can't calculate it anymore because it always just changes and they mm -hmm. call that chaos so even though we can mathematically like plan out super far, it comes to a point where it's like, oh, we don't know, we don't know. Isn't that weird? Is that, is that the same concept concept as uh, entropy? It my I I bear I don't know much about entropy. I actually just looked into entropy like a week ago, and that's, that's about as much as I know about it. Yeah, it's like that. Everything kind of trends towards chaos. Like it probably I, that's then. a very bad. Like I don't really like thinking about it because it's so like well, let's terrifying. Get a but. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, look it up. It's it's from a, a short story. Um, I, I read it in a short All story. Right, I'm trying to remember the damn name of it. A thermodynamic quantity mm -hmm. uh, representing the unavailable the unavailability of a system's thermal energy for convert. This is teaching us nothing for conversion <laughs> into mechanical work, often interpreted as the degree of disorder or randomness in the systems. So yeah, like randomness, lack of order or predictability, gradual decline into disorder. So you were right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I was sort of right, but yeah, I didn't know right. they were talking about mechanical systems. Well, like I don't think I think I, it's probably just in general, like you know, everything. Yeah, yeah. Just everything in a way is sort of a mechanical system. Because I'm pretty sure our bodies, you a, know, the solar system. Yeah, I think because I think it, it's a word only used for thermodynamics, like something like that. Huh, so yeah, because it, it, it's a it says it's a physics definition. So yeah. So do do you think that's where things are going? Like, do you think uh like it would end up? In the kind of entropy, like uh, well, going towards entropy, evidence trending that way. Evidence suggests that that's what's probably going to happen. Yeah, you know. I or, just wonder if humanity is going to be able to figure out a way out of, out of that. I think we can. I think we will. Because yeah, well, we're pretty huh, We're pretty smart. The thing is, it's um, we've been, and I'm not saying anyone was wrong when they were saying this, but we've been saying the world's going to end. For eons, okay. right, bro? Like, you've been saying this forever. 2012. And exactly. And, well, that yeah. was a, that was a little different. But yes, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, we, like, they would talk about uh, the bleaching of the coral reef. We would talk about global warming. We, like, and all these things are happening or have happened, but none of, them, none of them have destroyed the world. Like, 
and I think part of it is not only because we, we overestimate because we're kind of stupid, um, but we also, media wants to produce fear. That's a whole different conversation. But I think that humans are very intelligent, very capable, and will always find a way out of it, given that we have enough resources to do, do that. If we don't actually have the resources, uh, we're SOL. But like, even like people like Elon Musk says, he's like one of the only billionaires that are like, we need to like give birth to way more humans if we want to do this, guys. Because... Like, the idea is that no, if we don't. If we have too many humans, the global warming's gonna be bad, and we're gonna, you know, consume too many resources. And it's like, no. The point yeah. is, all those humans you give birth to are gonna get us out of this. And right. whichever, I don't know who, what what I believe in. I don't like. I I hope that's true, but I think whether it's chaos or entropy, or whatever, I think we'll find a way out because the rate we're going. I mean, like, fuck, bro. A hundred years ago. You could take a picture like on the street, and there was a, a horse-drawn carriage in the street. Now yeah. we have stealth bombers. Like it was only a hundred years. Dude, so. yeah, give it another hundred. I don't even. I can't even fathom that. It was pretty crazy how people were able to project like what was going to happen maybe 50, 60 years in the like in the uh, future, like in the nineteen twenties or something like that. They were, uh, you know, projecting what it would have looked like in nineteen ninety and like two thousand. But like. Me trying to think about the year 3000 is literally impossible because we're moving so fast. It's, exactly. It, you, you cannot do it, right? It, because you can't keep up with the, with the pace of technology. And I think that goes back to like what we were saying a little earlier with, um, you know, eventually it outpacing us. And then we can't keep up unless we upload oh, or unless yeah. we be- become a part of it. So it, at that point, it becomes like a necessary evil or necessary thing that you got to do. Yeah. And that's why if I had a choice between psychedelics and AI, I choose psychedelics, psychedelics every day. day. But every day. one of the th- – and so 100 years ago, it's because it's so funny. It sounds so ridiculous, but the way they were thinking 100 years ago is how we're thinking right now. 100 mm-hmm. years ago, people in New York City were afraid that the, the city was going to be so filthy with horse shit, horse yeah. shit, that they weren't going to be able to use the, basically city, the streets anymore. And next thing you know, they invented the car. So it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. So do you think the invention of the car was a result of all the shit in the streets? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> The direct result was the, the, the shitty streets. Direct result. There um, ex- exact correlation. Exactly. So uh, I have a question about um, yeah. something, oh, your opinion on it, because we're, ta- we're, ta- we're, we're like off the rails, and I love this shit, right? If we're talking about, we were talking about psychedelics, we're talking about consciousness a little bit, we were talking about yeah. uh, a few things, right? If, okay, if teleportation, let's say teleportation was real, all right, and you, it was such a normal part of your life that your friend that lives in Pennsylvania, you're like, Yo, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm going to come hang out with you. You get in a teleporter, and you teleport to, like, a TJI Fridays or something, right? Like, they just got teleporter booths and everything, okay? You're doing this whole life. Your parents were doing it. You're, like, the fifth generation where they've had teleporters. So you teleport the G- TJI Fridays from your house to visit your friend, and the news is on. And the news says, breaking news, we just found out, we just learned that when you teleport yourself, you actually kill yourself and you're rebuilt in a different location. So you are not the one you just were before. The question is, would you go back in it to get home? Hmm. I'd drive my ass home, dude. Right? But at that point, I'd be a, right? a whole other person on the other end. Can you imagine? Yeah, it wouldn't even be me. So, like, would I, would I even know where home is? No, you would know. You would know everything. You would just not be this you you would not be the same person because what the with the idea is the reason why a lot of people are fearful of teleporters is because and the science might have changed on this even though teleportation doesn't exist it's all theoretical they think if we have a teleportation device 
does that actually teleport you or does it destroy your atoms and then rebuild you rebuild exactly it. how it took it, which means you have been killed and then it just reconstructs you somewhere else. And yeah. if that's the case, then teleportation is just, you're just constantly killing yourself all day. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, are you killing yourself or are you just breaking yourself down into your elementary parts and then, and then transferring no it and then rebuilding it. But either way, you're like, you're doing some weird shit. I mean, like if, if it was a transfer, we'd have to understand consciousness because if yeah. you can trap consciousness on like a drive, transfer your body, then re-upload your consciousness. I trust that, but I'm not going right. to just trust teleportation. Yeah, like we, we kind of do have a sort of teleportation now, like Zoom, right? Or like yeah, yeah, yeah. in the future with the metaverse, you put on a you put on a headset, and then you and your buddy can be chilling in a room. And as like haptics uh, gets more advanced and stuff like that, you're able to actually feel yourself in the room and feel the sensory experiences yeah. and feel like I'm talking to you, like feel the air and all that. Do you think that's the same thing as teleporting, or is that a completely well, different? Well, I mean, concept? like I see what you're doing there. I, I get it. <laughs> But yeah, twisted a little bit. Yeah, I no, it's not teleportation, but it's it's a good uh, consolation prize, you know. Because I I don't want to teleport if it's gonna have that big of a risk. But I also don't want a world where listen, I know two hundred years, some kid for his high school project is gonna if high school still exists in two hundred years is gonna find this podcast that no one uh, listened to and say this guy. 200 years ago said he didn't want the metaverse and now look at how great society is why were these people wrong an essay so my point is i don't i'm not very excited for the metaverse i'm not uh, either dude because i don't there is such a disconnection between humans and other humans i don't think this will actually make it better what the, there's a speech by um charlie chaplin in the great dictator and one of the lines in it is the, like the cell, the cell phone and the radio or the air, the airplane and the radio has given us a chance to be more together, but it's done nothing but uh, separate us more and more. And I think all things based in technology that, that have been made to connect us has done nothing but separate us. Social media, it was made to connect us in each other's lives and it might connect us, but now we are so concerned of our, about our image that the things we're connecting with each other aren't even true anymore. So we are more separated ever than ever before. In in sociology, there there's three different like three or five different rooms where it's like you're one person in public, you're one person at work, you're one person here. And when you're alone in your bedroom, that's your truest self. Nobody knows that anymore. Nobody knows that you. And uh, 50 years ago they might have not known that you, but you were more inclined to share share your life with your parents and your friends than you are now. Now it's kind of risky, it's scary, and that's not healthy. And I only think it's going to get worse. Yeah. And a little tangent off that, I was reading a book the other day. Um, I posted it on my story, Aristotle's Way. And it talks about how Aristotle like thought about the uh, future of humanity being taken over by machines, like we would get alleviated by machines. And it's crazy that somebody Whoa. in 500 BC or, or 500 AD is able to come to that conclusion when there's no um, mechanical devices Whoa. back then. I mean, arguably, I, I don't know, dude, there was this one really cool picture that I saw um like this little i don't know if you saw it but it was found in the mediterranean sea it was like thousands of years old and it was like this cog looking device with all of these levers and it looked like a, i think i know what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about it was like a computer it like it pretty much uh computed the alignment of the stars and all of that like exactly um and they found that and it was like a couple thousand years old but I, so i wonder if you know maybe some of those things existed in his time but he he talks about how 
eventually we'll get taken over those by those things and then we could put our collective pursuit towards intelligence but that's exactly what's that is not what's happened <laughs> you know we've been alleviated by all of these things but we're like we're kind of not using our intelligence anymore and we're just kind of riding the wave of that um uh, of that automation the the biggest i think the biggest conundrum the biggest sin and i don't mean to use the word sin because i'm trying to get religious but the biggest problem that humanity is facing right now is disconnecting from other humans. Like I said before, I think that is a gigantic problem. Let's go full circle, right? How we were talking about what if there was an ancient civilization that started planting their seed everywhere, right? Okay, what if we did that? What if we got technologically advanced and we started, you know, traveling the galaxy and started planting our seed everywhere? Okay, that cool. That's cool, right? But what's the how valuable is that life? If you're barely living it, if you're so obsessed with being the kind of person you think others need you to be, is that really living? Whereas if you see, if you see people that are hunter gatherers, if you see farmers, if you see people that are subsistence farmers, or or you know children that live in the the you know Virginian woods with their parents, like those people are so happy. Those yeah. people are so. I actually think Virginia has the, like a high suicide rate only because there's a drug problem there. Don't quote me on anything of anything I'm saying, cause I, but I think there's a different problem with that. But people in these natural settings are so much happier because they don't need to be fake. You know, this facade, this, this facade that social media makes you create is so horrible. And even if you don't have social media, even if you don't have social media, I bet you got a nine to five job, right? And when you're not at home alone, you have to be that nine to the five job and you have to react and act a certain way. Otherwise you don't fit the status quo and you gotta put on a hat. that's uncomfortable. And people say, well, Mark, that's professionalism. That's how you got to do it. And it's like, is it how we have to do it though? Or is that just how we're doing it right now? And listen, if I'm like, we need to change this, it'll be decades, but there's a problem. It's a problem with all of us. And I would, I'm not very excited for the future. I'm actually very fearful and that's not good i don't want to be black pilled i want to be white pilled but it is what it is yeah um you know i i so i agree with that in, in a way um i think in the future like we could find a way around it but like right now it's just people are so consumed with the fast pacedness of society and just stressed out about all the things they have to do all the time right like paying taxes like making sure you're, you're staying on top of your your mortgage payments making sure you're doing all this and this and that um and it kind of takes away from like the enjoyment of life and actually going outside and experiencing things like traveling the world and all of that um like I, I have a buddy who uh recently moved down to argentina he just like went on a plane and moved down to argentina is down there living on a farm and just living in this shack right now that's like all he does and he's the happiest person on the planet down there like he loves it right um and people who are working the nine to fives a lot of these people are really miserable because they're trying to live this life that everybody else is living and just and, and do that and i think that more people just need to really sit down and ask themselves like go into a room by themselves and just like ask themselves what do i want to do and what makes me happy what drives me and not thinking about the pot the externalities of that like what will somebody think of me if i pursue this uh and just like actually have an intelligent conversation with yourself about the the likelihood of that thing happening and uh, you know, so instead of putting on a hat and trying to impress somebody else because you're trying to 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 live up to this image of yourself, like it's good to it's good to uh, visualize yourself and what you want to be and, and then grow into that. Um, and instead of like thinking, what do I have to be for this person or what what kind of hat do I have to put on for this job and like 
you know, in, in all of that. So I, I do agree with you on that. And I think that eventually humanity will figure it out and figure out how to, you know, increase happiness, because I think that is the, the meaning of life is to increase the level of happiness you experience every day. Because why are you living if you're not happy, right? Like, why are you living if you're not inspired, if you're not motivated, if you don't want to accomplish something? And so setting that vision, you know what I mean? Like, like in, in, in attacking that thing along the way by piecemeal is probably the best way to do it. There, I don't know who said this, but it was probably the best answer to the question, what is the meaning of life? And they said the meaning of life is to live it. That's it. It's to live, it's to live it. To live it. And that's kind of what you just said. Um and in a in a bit more words, but that's kind of what you said. It's like the it, your goal should be to have a a better and better life as you move forward, um, and you should be able to enjoy your life. You're not alive. I mean, some some actual religions believe life is suffering and death is suffering. Like everything is suffering, which really sucks. But yeah, that, that's not that's not too yeah, exciting. Yeah, that kind of sucks, right? So. I, I, I would like to agree with you. I want what you're saying to be true, where it's like the goal is to have a better and more fun and happy life. Maybe fun is the wrong word, but like a content life, a content life. Um, and I don't know, I, there's another philosopher, I don't know if it was Pascal or it was somebody where they said the re- one of the reasons why life is so hard and, it, and it's only a human problem is because you're conscious, you're a conscious being. So you can do one of two things. You can do a lot of things, but in this setting, one of two things is one, you're conscious enough to realize your life is a lot better than a lot of people's, a lot better. You know that. But for some reason, you can realize something else, and this voice is a lot louder than the other voice. This voice continues to tell you how your life is a lot worse than other people's. Yep. And it's that voice that makes us do the nine to five because we're like, I need to get better. I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to become what I always wanted to become, but not realizing it's like millionaires, billionaires, uh, people that have all this money or even if it's generational wealth, it's like that's almost unattainable. And for you to strive to get that is kind of stupid. And listen, I'm a, I, I'm doing the same thing. I'm an idiot. I know I, I, cause I want the same shit. But what you should be doing is instead of working on your life in the exterior, you should be working on the interior. And if you could be happy with yourself, if you could find something that you enjoy, something that you want to live for, even if it's just your family, even if it's just to see the sunsets, and maybe you are a farmer, maybe you're a gardener, maybe what you do is you paint dioramas in your bedroom, and then you go work at a phone booth or something, I don't know, for 9 to 5, I don't care. But if you can find something that makes your life rich and you just live it, then that is Good. So the problem is the reason why people have such a hard time living is because they know what they're missing out on. And that's really unfortunate. Yep. Um, I, I started talking about something a little while ago. Um, start talking to yourself more than you listen to yourself. Cause I think in a lot of cases, there's like this false sense of reasoning that your brain is trying to tell you. Um, and it, it may sound logical, like when you're thinking it, but, but really it just doesn't make any sense. Like, Oh, I'm not good. Or I'm like, I, like, I can't do this. I can't do that. But like the first thing you got to do is put one foot in front of the other yeah. and, and make that constant decision. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you tell yourself, if you talk to yourself more um, and start like actually taking the action over, over you know, your mental faculty. Um, because a lot of people are kind of running on autopilot all the time. You know what I mean? It's just like they wake up in the morning. They're just thinking about all the things they got to do in the day instead of just putting their shoes on and figuring out what they're going to do for the first 10 minutes and then the next 10 minutes and the next 10 minutes. Right. 
Um, and so you actually cut out there for like, 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 yeah, a minute. well, I was still and, rolling, but yeah, you, yeah, camera. I, I, so I just had to improvise there for a second, but, um, I, I can hear you now. Did you your, cut out is, a your, whole minute. is your mic still on? Cause you actually sound, you sound a little different. Guys sound different. One second. Yeah. Let me, hello. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Test, test, test. Yeah. That sounds, Is that better? It sounds good. You don't have to overdo that, but it does sound great when you do that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love this thing, man. I um, I, I had a uh, Scarlet before this, the Scarlet um, mic. Yeah. That was a really good one too. I'm really enjoying this one. I, I like how it, it hangs down instead of like uh, the other one was kind of like so, just like you know, it was straight up and down. But this is much cooler. I want to go back to more of the um, the history stuff because I want to I yeah. want to know what's so were you like into this your whole life and it just because one of the things I, I thought was really cool about what you what you've done is because you were the politics guy you were the uh, podcast guy you wanted to do all that stuff and now not you didn't really change much but you found one of the things I think is so cool about people is when they find something they really like and they go for it whether it's woodworking or if it's collecting reptiles or if they find something then they do it you did so much work on this new series like let's I get it. I know you did so much work. What was the coolest part to me, regardless of the actual content, which is of course good content, but removing that entirely, the coolest part is that you found something you enjoyed enough to put that much time into it. That's fucking awesome. Is how long have you actually liked this like history and stuff like that enough to do something like this? First off, I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sec second off, uh, yeah, I've always been interested in history, man. It's like um, I'll get home from work and just throw on like a cool video on YouTube where I'm just learning a little bit about history. But um, I don't know what specifically drove me towards Egypt. I just think it's probably one of the coolest civilizations because it's the oldest. And it was like the first really kind of advanced high society. And so many things happened in Egypt that are uh, that carry through the timeline of history that influence other civilizations like Greece and Rome. I mean, Greece took so much, their architecture, their philosophy, um, the way they, they organized their government, the way that Solon went to Egypt to figure out wisdom from the priests of Egypt. Like, I, that's fascinating to me. And uh, Western thought and Western um, ideology is mostly derived from those places like Greece, right? Uh, when we think of philosophers, we think of Greece. Um, but the first philosopher, the, real, the first quote, real philosopher, Thales, was, uh, you know, he, he came thousands of years after um, some philosopher, philosophical thought, not like metaphysical thought, but just philosophical thought, like ethics and morals were established in Egypt. And uh, going through and, and actually reading and studying that stuff, it's very enlightening in my opinion. And there's a lot of things that we do not know how to explain. Um, and so I really like to study mysteries and Egypt is probably one of the biggest mysteries in the world. Oh, like yeah. how the hell do you create a, a massive pyramid that is completely aligned on all the cardinal points by a 0.05 degree? Um, like, like the, and the list goes on. You know, I could really break down like all of the uh, crazy stuff about the, uh, the history of Egypt. The best way to do that is just by listening to the podcast. But, um, but yeah, dude, like, like I've, I found a lot of interest in it. And for some reason, I just, I wanted to come see it to completion. I knew from the beginning that I wanted to make a full season, full uh, explanation of Egypt. And I just wanted to narrate and, and write, cause I love writing too. I love writing books. Um, but yeah, it was just my passion, man. And I, I'm, I'm really glad I followed it through, but, uh, you know, like, like just, just, just going back to some of the points in Egypt, if you don't mind me going on a little yeah, tangent. Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. So, um, like, for example, the teachings of Amun MOP, that was a 
moral and ethical foundation that a lot of other religions and a lot of other texts and stuff like that carried off of. Like it, it says very blatantly, like do not steal. Right. And, and, and that kind of like way back when was something radically new, like, because, you know, you know, people would just rob each other all the time for food and, and, and all this stuff. It was a much more crazy type of society, but they were able to establish that from a very early time in history and it took a lot of time for other people to catch, you know, catch on to that. And like Egypt was over here building these massive pyramids, massive temples, massive stuff, while the rest of the world was running around in fucking animal skins. So it's like, it's crazy. And then how it correlates with what we were talking about earlier with uh, an advanced civilization, maybe um, having this catastrophic event and, and implanting their seeds in somewhere like Egypt. And, and that may be how they were able to emerge so quickly. Um, but also like Egypt was one of the first ever civilizations to to fundamentally create a state like the idea of a statehood right um and that that kind of was radically new as well and they merged the, re the religious um organization with with the functionalities of the state too and, and they always remained um intertwined uh but yeah it's a fascinating subject man really really fascinating so do you always plan to do seasons or, like, or are you going to do like more episodic like things episodic type things in the future i want to do like a uh, little like i want to plan something out and then drop them bi-weekly or weekly or whatever i think but, that would um, be better for you i think that'd be probably. a lot better instead of dropping it all at once because it's a little it's it's overwhelming like it's all like it would be way better like oh my god like because the i think the problem with like okay you know when like if netflix drops an entire season and all the episodes are there you're like it's all there. I don't. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll get to it. When I get to it. I feel like yeah. dropping them all at once. It's like I. I have time, but it's like doing it like once every week, once every two weeks. It's like if it's all the same subject, I want to catch up. So I. I'm like in line with it. But even like if you, if you take a, some notes from philosophize this, it's like even though like he might have like three episode series series, um, or like one each episode is gonna be different. Doesn't matter. It's um. It kind of feels like more of a community, more of a like, yeah. It's ready when it's like you post it one at a time. I think that's, I think that's cool. And it, and then if you gain an audience, they're looking forward to the next exactly. podcast. Exactly. Like every single week, they they can say, hey, this is when it's going to release, and I can yeah. tune in. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I did a lot of thought in that. I've actually talked to several buddies, and they're like, dude, why didn't you just drop it? Like you know, like do a campaign for like a couple yeah. months and just keep dropping them. So. Go moving forward. That is that is the way I'm going to go. Um, and now, are you going to? What other topics do you want to cover? Are you going to do like a uh, another season, but it's like you like one episode, another episode, another episode. Like you do, you separate separate it, but it's going to focus mm -hmm. on one topic. Or are you going to like move around from different things? Like, oh, I'm gonna I want to talk about Native Americans. Oh, I want to talk about how the French and Canadian, the French, whatever war, or like I don't fucking know, whatever. You can like move around and stuff. Um, yeah, I think I, I do need to finish the, cause I kind of stopped midway with Egypt. Um, uh -huh. I, you know, with 780 minutes, I was only able to cover uh, about half of the history of it. Um, Bro. and so I, I finished up with Ramses the second and the battle of Kadesh, um, which was really cool. It's the first ever recorded battle in history. We know exactly really? what happened and like all the numbers that were involved. Wow. I, I do a full like narration of it. Uh, I make fictional characters and I kind of bring the battle uh, to life. I didn't, I didn't get all the way that far. You could. I don't actually. I can't remember what episode I'm on. I was listening to it today to get ready too. Uh, I like how you add music to it, though. Yeah, I I try to add all the sound effects and cool stuff, dude. It's 
It's a, it's a lot of uh, like layering on my Logic Pro X. Like oh, these yeah. are big files, bro. <laughs> they're like they're like several gigabytes each. Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. So, where do you like? Where do you get all that music and stuff? Like, cause it's copyright free. I imagine. Like, I like I wouldn't care if it doesn't. But like, that's got to be the hardest part, right? Dude, you you would be surprised. There is so many avenues on YouTube to find free dope music like that. I um and I, I give these people like contributions. And also at the very end, I do like do a shout out to all those guys. But um, like there's like breaking copyright, for example. That's a good shout out to have. Uh, like Sav FK. There's a few other people who create this really cool orchestral music, and they just let people use it for free. Like it's it's fantastic. Um, it's it's very selfless like of these people to create that kind of music and then just let other people let other people use it at their discretion. I find that really cool. And um, so I do like help them out with recurring with donations and all that as well. I can't wait till you get an editor and you make these videos because if, <laughs> if they made it videos and they like animated it and, it made, and then you watch it, bro, I'd be watching these all the time. Bro, I, I you know how, how much I've been thinking about that, dude. That that's the dream for it to make it like a cool little docu series. Right? That that would get so many subscribers, so many. Yeah. Like yeah. if you if you if you it was your script and you um and you spoke it or whatever. And somebody because I don't know how to edit like animate stuff and make cartoons or whatever whatever they do. If you had somebody do that for you, not only would you save so much time, but you would have an awesome niche. Like people love that shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, history is a really cool thing, and I wish more people would, would like actually you know study it. Um, it's, it is kind of hard for me like right now to to hone in on my niche. I'm doing a lot of like I'm really trying to figure creative ways to expand the podcast and put it out yeah, there more. So yeah. like you know if that's dropping them on YouTube and just making short little screen recordings of like the podcast while it's playing the um, the audio, and then I have like a screen recording on my computer that I'm like doing a cool little walkthrough. Of like what happens and then posting that on YouTube, that may be another way to, to get more followers and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, I think in the in the future, that's the way I want to go. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, same like, with same with like like it's like what you're doing. Like your your shit is cool, man. Like, well, um, <laughs> I mean, like having a studio where you have multiple cameras, multiple mics, you have people coming in. Like your studio might, looks thick. It might be cool. It's definitely irresponsible though, without question irresponsible yeah like i have no business doing this i have no what do you business. mean bro you're a dope podcast but but i i like how you said like you, you're trying to figure out you're pulling that straight like, you're trying to figure out what to do and how to do it and what you want your how you want your podcast and stuff to like vibe and like you noticed that with mine like i've got a movie a movie drinking game movie podcast and then i have th- this Right, where it has nothing to do with movies or drinking, <laughs> right? And then, uh, Ethan, man, I'm so excited for it. I'm about 30 minutes in. It's heavily, heavily edited, which is like in a good way. Um, I'm producing a new series, probably, I probably, I don't know, probably the last series I I do on the channel, and I'll run with three three series. I am so excited for it. And I really want you to watch it because it's it's a 13,000 word paper. And okay. I I made a video essay essay and bro it's I'm so excited for it I can't wait for it to come out and I've edited 30 minutes of it it's probably gonna be an hour and five minutes. Um, Can you but, give a little tidbit of what it's about or are you, okay, you right, keeping I, it? So okay so MGC MGC podcast right originally it was Mark. I love Gerbino. that name by the yeah, way. Yeah right. MGC. Well it's got a cool ring originally it. it was Mark Gerbino Connection but now it means more uh, movies guest and culture. 
So it just worked. It just worked out, right? Movies, guests, and culture. Okay, we have the movie, the drinking game movie podcast. Awesome. We have MGC, right? That's guests. Okay, we got guests. We're talking to guests, and then we have Abominable Culture. Abominable Culture is going to be the name of the new series where I take a concept that I learned from like a movie or learned from like a book or a philosophy, and then I talk about it. The first one, well, I'll get to that in a second. So. In the screenshots, we talk. We have movies, we have guests, and we have culture. In this classic MGC, we have guests and we have culture. In abominable culture, we could have all three again. Uh, well, not guests. We'll have. Uh, we might have movies, and we're gonna have culture. Like it all just works together. And in my first episode, I it's okay. It's not about Fight Club, but I used Fight Club as a catalyst to ask ask a few questions. And the point of the first episode. And I don't know what I'm going to title. I think I'm going to title it "What Happened to Us," because okay. the whole thing is that I mean, look around, man. We are we are a damaged people. We are no matter where you live on this planet, we are suffering. Like we don't know what to do. Our our society is falling apart. Culture is just destroying itself. At least American culture, it's destroying itself, and no one's happy. I mean, like we don't really know what manhood is anymore. We don't know what womanhood is anymore. Like there's. It, it, like we are obsessed with consumerism, we are obs- obsessed with self-image. We don't know what our human identity is. We are, we have no purpose, or are struggling to find one, or think that we need one. If we don't have one, we are worthless, and we don't know where this is headed. So my thesis is: in 2021, there was a 22-year-old man, boy, whatever, that quit his six-figure job to drive three states away and illegally sneak backstage to a Logan Paul meet-and-greet or Jake Paul meet-and-greet or something. And you know what he asked uh, Paul for, right? Logan Paul. He said, I want a job. I heard about that. This guy ruined, I mean, like, he ended up getting his job back, I'm pretty sure, but, like, took such a huge chance, made $100,000 a year, and... 22 years old, and he, and, he, and he risked it all to ask for a handout. And my question is, why would he do that? I don't want to make fun of him. I actually feel bad for him. And I want to figure out why people are acting like this. And that's my thesis. That's the question. Let's figure it out. And then I, and I go through it, and I use Fight Club as a way to explain, it to pe- to explain to people what I mean. That's a, that's a deep concept right there. Yeah. and, and, and So, yeah, I, I think, you know— it, there's no way to describe that. And a lot of people today are, are looking for handouts. Mm-hmm. That's like what everybody wants. And they, they want it easy. They don't want to take the, the, the difficult path anymore. And um, a part of like what you said about the manhood and, and, and the, the womanhood, that's becoming so loosely defined nowadays that it's hard for guys and girls to find their role. And it's ruining relationships because I think like relationships are built on established like uh, you know, like expectations, I would say, like, like, you know, there's, there's things that you should expect out of a man and out of a woman in, in a great relationship combines those two really well. And yeah. nowadays it's becoming so loosely defined that it, that's why we have a big family issue and like, and less people are getting married and when they do get married, like they're staying married for less amount of time. And, you know, it's like when they raise kids, like it's, it's not working like it, like it, like it should work. Um, and that's because, 
uh, we're losing that definition. And I, I, I find that a, a massive, massive issue. Yeah. But going back to that guy, like, uh, I don't know why he would do that um, without even asking uh, it to begin with Jake Paul. Like, he, did he not reach out to him well, and let him know that he was quitting his job or did he just go on a wing? He just went on a wing because you can't really, wow, like, I guess you can't really, like. I don't, I don't understand. So I find it interesting because. And I go into great detail about this, and it's and I think the greatest part of the essay I'm doing is it is actually like, it's visually entertaining, right? So like even if people like for like zone out and can't even hear what I'm saying, like they're like locked in because there's like moving shit all around. But my whole thing is that the my fir- the first chapter I talk about consumerism, and my my point is we are uh. We are all consumers. We consume. That's what we do. Okay, got it. The second chapter is uh, image, okay, and how we are obsessed with having a good image, okay? And then this, the next chapter is about uh, human identity, but I mostly talk about the male identity and how we are losing purpose. Um, and then the last chapter is purpose and how we all want to find it. So if we are consumed by consumption— Okay, we cannot stop consuming products, food, like things that we think we need, but we don't actually need. We keep consuming. Okay, then we are also obsessed with image. We have to identify as a certain way. Okay, so now I have to consume these things. So that's going to say what my image looks like. And I have to act that way. And I have to present myself this way because I want people to think about me in a certain light. And because I want to have a good image, like the Kardashian over there, or I want to have a good image, like... um. Brad Pitt over there. Like, I want to have that good image. I want to have that stature. I've got to keep making these decisions, right? Social media is fake. We all want to be a certain way, but we're not actually that way. No one even knows who they are anymore because they're afraid to be themselves, right? We want to have this image, right? So we are consuming. We're losing our self, uh, uh, self-image self because we want it to be like everybody else, right? Okay, so there's that. And then there's the... What was the next one? Human identity, right? Man... Men, right? One of my arguments in it is that for better or for worse, not the point. The point is we no longer need masculine aggression anymore. And I'm not saying masculinity is just aggression. Masculinity is discipline. It's hope. It's um, honor. Like masculinity is a lot of things. But because we don't need masculinity like we used to hundreds of years ago, it is now seen as more of a taboo and more of a fringe thing to be masculine because society doesn't need it like it used to. Okay. It goes against the nature of being a man. Yeah, yeah. So so then we have purpose. Okay, so men have lost their purpose because society doesn't need men as much as it used to or at least not in the same way. So we've lost that purpose. Um, we are so obsessed with image based on what other people want that that's not enough purpose and we're depressed. And we're consuming things we don't need because we're told we need them that we're wasting our life away doing things we don't want. That's still no purpose. So we are a purposeless people. And then the last chapter basically says, what the fuck happens next? I have no idea. Good luck. So this kid did that. And I suspect it's because he wanted Jake, and I don't know if it was Jake or Logan, he wanted Jake Paul's life because it's what everyone talks about. It's a status symbol. It's money. It's financial freedom. It's because no one talks about, in, in, the, in the 80s or, or 50s, 30s, 
being a blue collar worker, that was an American. That would you're the fucking man. You're a blue collar worker. If you see your family like three hours out of the week, you're a legend. Like that sounds bad, but you're an amazing person. Fuck yeah. That life isn't open quote end quote honorable anymore. People don't want that anymore, but what they do want is to be Jake Paul. And so the essay is basically what happened to us? How did we get there? And that's so that's what I talk about. Dude, that's actually really fascinating. I, I want to read like the essay too. I'm gonna obviously listen to yeah. it, but you said it's thirteen thousand words. Thirteen thousand words. That's 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 impressive. So I think twenty six pages. Cool. Yeah, the I had a long script for mine too. It was like seventy two thousand words, bro. I was like going back and looking. I'm like, gosh, I can yeah. just release. I can just release it as a book. You, yeah. You should do a little <laughs> blog. Honestly, man, you should make a website and um and cool. blog those kinds of things. Well, I'm gonna save the scripts and then I'll, I'll probably like put them out for people to read later on, but there are so many spelling mistakes and grammatical errors because <laughs> I was like, no one's ever going to read this. They're just going to listen to it. That I have to go back and fix everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how mine is, bro. I have to go back and edit all these yeah. things. Again. So I'm like, I'm like, ah, do I want to release it as a book? Yeah. Right. And then on the other hand, I'm working on my book and, Oh, wait, wait, what are you doing? What do you mean? I've been working on my book for probably two years now. Um, it's one of those things. It's like a, it's going to be a five year project for me. Um, okay. but it's about, I think it's right around 80,000 words right now. So um, if I were to break it down into pages with about 200 words, that would be, let's say if I put like 250 words per page, uh, let's say it's 80,000 words, blah, 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 that'd be like 320 pages um, right now. So it's it's developing. And I, I, I don't know if I want to break it up into several books or just make it one big, What's it about? One big thing, but... Oh man, I knew you were gonna ask that. Well, cool. Why <laughs> would I not ask thing, that? I, I don't know how you take a uh, eighty thousand word book and condense it into the back of a page or the back of like a, a book, like with the description. Yeah. Uh, the, I actually the don't think the author does I that. I think the I what? think I I don't think the author actually does. It. I think somebody else does it for the author. Yeah, because it's literally impossible. I, I don't I don't know how yeah. to summarize it. It was really funny because like you know when I was uh like I, I when people ask me this question, I have no way to describe it but basically it it starts off with this dystopian future right where everybody is uh kind of conforming to the whims of the government and the the government is like really overbearing and everybody gets these these pills called c6 pills and it just it really dumbs them down and um it makes them easier to conform to the established quo and there's people who don't uh the people who don't conform to that are like Put into districts. And I'm not, and this is the very beginning. I'm not really copying uh, Hunger Games or anything. Well, there, like that, there's, there's, there's no there, such thing as originality anymore. It, it's all like the same. It's thing. all been done, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but they're, they're, they're put into districts, and so the story is based around this guy named Jim Planter, and, uh, and Jim Planter's family owns this thing called the Planter Institute, and they're pretty much trying to figure out a way to. Uh, they realize the condition of humanity, right? They, they realize that humanity is, is bent towards complete in utter conformity and and uh there's individual individuality and freedom is just out of the the book at that point and so they're trying to figure out a way off of earth um and this is based in the 2070s uh there's the the technology is there uh and so they end up leaving earth and and finding um that there is this correlation uh there's two storylines going on there's a correlation uh there's another storyline that's going on on this planet called sharuk that's going through the exact same thing there's uh i i create these fictional alien characters uh they're really really cool i have some pictures of them that i that i've drawn out but um what's interesting is that that uh 
that other planet is going through the same thing. And um, then the two, uh, they, the two converge and figure out a mutual way to solve both of their problems by working together. Um, but it's a very dumbed down like uh, way to describe it. It's very in depth. Uh, and there's, a, I try to put a lot of morals in there too, like taking morals from the way that society is going and, um, and uh, you know, just, just, just encouraging uh, to, to figure out a way out of that. So I, yeah, I think so I love, I think as a writer, I hate, I'm like, not that I'm a writer, but writing dystopian things are probably the most fun things to write. Cause it's like, yeah. yo, anything could happen. You know, it's, that's, it's fun. You ever uh, yeah. read, um, uh, Brave New World. You ever read Brave New World? I love that book. Yeah. And it, Brave New World was a big inspiration for my book. Actually. Yeah. As soon as you said the C6 thing, I thought of Brave New World. C6 pills. Yeah. And, um, there's this, uh, I, I kind of left out a big fundamental part of it, but right as the, uh, uh, the, the planter Institute leaves earth, they, um, on, on earth. So there's this, there's this character ca- called Vincent Van Housen and he works with seven or, or six other data scientists and they're creating this, like this AI and eventually the AI is released and, um, it becomes completely cognizant and it takes over the world and all the systems, um, and like all of the people and everything. And it's called Deus Omnis. Like it's the, the thing is called Domnus. Um, and it pretty much chases uh, the Planter Institute and Jim and all of Odyssey. It's called Odyssey. They, they chase them, um, but eventually, you know, they, they escape. And I think the second book is going to be like the return of Deus Omnis because when um, the storyline goes to Sharuk, they, they find out that there's uh, much like, ah, I can't even describe this, man. It's so, it's so difficult. No, it's <laughs> but all, I love this shit, man. It's, it's so difficult to describe because, you know, I'm like, I'm really stuck on a chapter right now, man. I'm stuck on one chapter. I've been been trying to figure it out for like one month. I don't know if you ever you, you, do. You write it let, all. Let like, me ask you a question. I, stuck on I do because I want to. I want to ask: Are are you the kind of person that has to plan out everything first and then write, or no. do you just write straight through? I write straight through. So we've talked about this actually. Ethan. Yeah. You like I, I have a vision in mind, but it's like I don't piece. I don't break it down. So you and I, you and I, have, I think actually talked about this in the last episode we did. Um, mm-hmm. the, yeah, there's two kinds of people. Uh, somebody who plans out everything and then writes the story and then other people who just write it from beginning to end writing it from beginning to end is the hardest thing you can do and anyone that could do that you're the man like that's basically impossible i don't do that i plan everything it but so i think the only way around in in my experience and the way i do things if you're like stuck on a chapter i feel like the only and we can obviously we can talk at, like after the show, like so you can be more specific. So maybe we can like we can, you could use me as a backboard, so you don't have to like reveal everything. But I feel like the only way around that is to just plan. I think yeah. go the the chapter before and the chapter after the chapter you're stuck on, and say, okay, here I am. This is where I have to get to. Let's figure out what the middle is going to look like. And you actually Facts. just yeah, just plan it out. Like that's use flashcards. I don't know. Like it's what you got to do. Like I have a vision board of where like where I want the story to begin and where I want it to end, and I'm f- figuring out a way to fill in the uh, the dotted lines in between. So, um, and that's like something that I-, I could plan out better. Obviously, you know, because uh, yeah. I'm stuck on this freaking chapter for like a month. That sucks. But um, man. no, it's all right. Yeah, it's just uh, tr- trying to figure out the the, the best way to uh, to wrap it up. And, and I think I'm gonna wrap it up soon, and then prepare myself for the second book and um yeah. and make it like a three piece. Well, speaking of wrapping up, we are getting close to the end right yep. now. This is this is this has been great. I I don't know what I expected having you back on. I didn't expect it to be bad at all. This was great. I had so much fun. You are clearly a wealth of knowledge about 
the history and shit. And like I know we like we got like esoteric and we got we went off the rails. We talked about a bunch of crazy shit, but that's what makes it fun. Like, yeah, is anyone? Is. I remember my art teacher once said to me. She said, "If you're reading a book and you notice that you start thinking about something, and next thing you know, you're at the bottom of the page, and you're like, oh shit, I don't even realize what I read.' You know that? Happened? Yeah, yeah. She says, "Don't go back and read the page. The author like gave you a chance to meditate, and you didn't even realize it." And I, and so, yeah. So ever since then, every time I like, I autopilot read, I never go back and read what I missed. I'm like, I'm like he, he or she who wrote the book gave me a gift. Even if I wasn't thinking about anything that had to do with the book, they did this for me and I'm not going back. Dude, that is, I've never heard that before. That's actually real. Cause I'm the guy who's like, if I miss anything, I'm rereading it. Like I'm going back and back and back. I used to be like that. But then I was like, I, when, when I thought about it, I was like, you know, that is such a, that is such a gift, and I don't want to ruin it by going back because, like, uh, it's it kind of was kind of sacred. It was a sacred moment that you have. Like, I'll be reading like Stephen King, and like, uh, it will be eating a child, and I'll be like yeah. thinking about something completely different. And somehow I've turned the page twice, and I'm like, "What the like, fuck what happened?" The, driving on autopilot. Yeah. So I I just let it happen, but um, I don't know why I said that. Why, where was I going with that? I don't even. Know. I don't know, but I, but that's a really cool point. And now I'm yeah. gonna start just reading the book and not, yeah, not backtrack yeah. in a few seconds. Because I'm, I'm scatterbrained too, man. I'll start reading something, and my mind's over here and there and there and there. Yeah. Oh, what so. I was saying is, I know we went all over the place. Yeah. But um, you like, and not to be insulting at all. If anything, it's complimentary. I. Did not expect you to be in, because I know when you're when you're doing your podcast, like I like all the information you need. If you get something, it's right there. Like there's no pressure. But mm. listening to you talk, you actually know this shit, and that blows my mind. Like I don't know enough about any one subject to talk as confidently as you did about it. Oh, bro, don't even say that. I, you you carry this entire podcast. No, no, no. Because you, carry, you, I, you, 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 you can speak on like like you're over here like quoting other people. You're bringing up like concepts no, no, and I stuff. Just, like you know, you're a great host. You ever see? Yeah, you know the the quote by uh, Buzz Lightyear is like. Or, there we go. See right or, there. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear. Shut up. Yeah, what do you? It's like, he, he's like, it's not flying. It's falling with style. That's basically yeah. the way I podcast. It's not. It's not uh, flying. It's falling with style. You I, know? I love it, dude. I, yeah. I love it. But um, no, but seriously, because you're sitting here every time you're like, oh, okay. So when I, if we go back to this, and then you start talking about shit, I'm like, bro, this guy's actually got facts and figures. This is crazy. <laughs> so what I'm saying is like, yeah. you actually know what you're talking about. Like, I've had a lot of people on very a lot of very intelligent people, and they've all had an amazing merit to what they were saying. Um, and they've had incredible life experiences that have helped them explain what they want to talk about, help them explain to me how they feel. Um, endless amounts of knowledge. Um, but I just, being complimentary, I wasn't, I was taken aback. I wasn't ready for you to be that, like, on point with that shit. Like, that is, that's crazy. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's definitely complimentary. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if I, if, if. If you do 780 minutes of ancient Egypt, you should at least be you able should to at least know something. Yeah, yeah, what the I fuck? know. Or else it's just a complete waste of time. <laughs> yeah, so that was so. so that's it. Like, so if you ever if we ever did this again, which we're obviously going to, whether it's yeah, yeah, if course. it's another Zoom or or if it's in person, God willing, um, we'll talk more history. Like, I had my own Randall Car- Car- Carlson on today. Like, that was cool, man. 
Like, he is one of my favorite guys to listen to. Yeah. I, I listen to his podcast all the time. It's like, I, I say that, like, I'm going to have uh, another guest come on. His name's Tobias soon. And he's kind of like the Graham Hancock when it comes to, like, spirituality. And you're the Graham Hancock when it comes to, like, actual history. So, it, like, Ooh. it's like I've got, like, these people that I talk to. It's so fucking cool, man. Yeah, dude. If you ever want to do another podcast on history, I'm, I'm so Oh, yeah. That. And maybe next time I'll, like, be, like, more like, okay. Or, you know what? The next time you do another episodic thing or if you do another season, um, if it's, like, if we can talk about Egypt, Egypt again, but when you move on to the next thing, let's go into it and let's just try to stay on it because I love history. I had my, my cousin on who goes to school to be a history professor. And we were talking about like uh, Nazi Germany and everything, but uh, I love that shit. And I don't, yeah. I don't have enough time to learn it on my own. So if I have something that can come on the podcast to tell me, I'm a very lucky person. Well, cool. There yeah. we go. Well, I'll be, the, I'll be the history guy. I'll do some research on maybe Nazi Germany because that, yeah. that's a really cool time in history. I, I as well. read a. Well, not book. really. You know, there's some shit that happens, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but, there's a, you know, it's, it's a cool still time a really in cool time to study. I read a book called Operation Paperclip. Um, and Dude, that's a yeah. By Annie, Annie Jacobson. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, th- she has a lot of people that like say they don't like her, but I think that's just because of her personality, like in person, her attitude. But well, that was a real thing, right? Operation Paperclip. Oh no, that that's a real, real. No, that is one hundred percent a real thing. So, so the book is called Operation Paperclip. Too? Yeah, I'll, let me grab it. Hold on. Okay. All right, and like we don't have to, we don't have to go over this. We can go whatever, whatever you do next. Like we'll go over, but this is it. Um, okay. so for the. Thing. I actually, when I posted a picture of this, of me reading it, I made sure to give it to, like, not have this to the first thing that shows not up. Yeah, because, sw- like, I'll get flagged or something. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, this is actually in, uh, if you go to, like, a Barnes & Noble, this is actually under science. It's not even under history. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, I don't okay. know why, though. Um, one of the most horrible things I read in this is that a German professor told the Nazis, hey, guys, uh, we're, I need some stuff for students, so can I just get, like, a whole bunch of skeletons to show my class how bodies work? And they just killed a whole bunch of Jews and gave them the skeletons. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's a real thing. Oh, oh, my God. Can you imagine? What the Dude, fuck? Like, I don't understand how, like, somebody can 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 do that. I just don't I – don't, I don't understand. It doesn't compute with me. Like, I, ah, like, it, I, God, under- so I, I understand – I understand humans getting to that point. Like, I get that. I know it's real. I know it exists. But, like, I was watching Saving Private Ryan a couple days ago, and I'm like, man, if, if I got that Nazi, bro, I I would shoot his knees and and just watch him crawl away until he dies. Exactly. Like, I, I don't give a shit. But then uh, the other half of me is like, but technically that's an execution, and that's not, like, war, and I don't know. But, like, sometimes my humanity comes out, and I get really angry. Exactly. But the crazy thing about Operation, I'm not going to keep going, by the way. We can wrap it up. Yeah, soon no worries. I don't but um, Operation, the cool thing about Operation, not cool thing, but the thing about Operation Paperclip was that a lot of those, you could probably confirm this, a lot of those people who committed those atrocities were brought to the United States yes. to like become a part of our institution. Yeah. Like they were like, like there was like what, 13 people convicted uh, at the Nuremberg trials, like actually sent to uh, like execution. I don't know. And the rest I of them were just let off the hook. Yeah. I don't know how many people were like, completely, like, given a, a sentence. But, yeah, they were, like, hired by American, the American government to work, uh, like, in their science divisions, yeah. I mean, like, like Germany, people don't realize this. 
the only like one the only reason Germany lost or one of the only reasons is because they didn't have the numbers. They had the yep. technology. They were there. They were f- smart fuckers, right? They had the yep. technology, but they didn't have the numbers. Um, wh- I, it actually says it talks about it in the book. There's this one American general or sorry, not sorry, like this high ranking uh, military official, United States Army, that said, if we waited six more months to get involved in the war there's a strong chance we would have lost. And the reason he says it is because the V2 rocket, that was already so fucking strong and powerful. It The Germans made, in, in the 40s, okay, guys? The Germans made the first rocket that was a guided missile. It yeah. could, it could, and, and they could shoot from one continent to the other. Um, so if we waited a little bit longer, the world would be a different place right now. Yeah, like and, and you've probably seen that picture of the largest cannon in the world, like the largest flat cannon in the world. They had to carry this shit on a train. Like yes. It, you know what I'm talking about? It, it was like uh, like a 200 feet tall, something wild like that. It was just, if you, if you guys go on, if you're listening to this, just go on Google and type up like large Nazi cannon or whatever. And it's like carry it yeah. on a train. It's well, and, it's uh, the, it it's, never got to be used, right? It I don't just, think it was ever used. Everyone, if you guys played uh, Call of Duty, this the uh, the last World War Two Call of Duty they made, it was on an it was on a map that you could play. It was on a multiplayer map. Um, it was just a gigantic gun on a railroad. That's that's what, right. That's what we're talking about. I completely forgot that was in that game, dude. Yeah, I have a weird <laughs> me- I have a weird memory. I just a great memory. You're I, able to I, recall shit like this. I have, I'm impressed. I have a lo- I have a very good long term memory. My short term memory is pretty much average. Really? Well, my memory is bad, so <laughs> that goes for long and short. <laughs> Bro, shut the fuck yeah. up. But look, this yeah. is this is great. Let's wrap it up. Uh, cool. Ethan, thank you so much. Um, all your stuff's gonna be in the description. Uh, awesome. Don't sign off. I'm gonna debrief when we when this is all over. Um, but that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for watching, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, everybody.